Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. Welcome back for another episode. And you all are in for such a treat today because I'm speaking to Leah Thomas, who is a celebrated environmentalist. She's based here in Los Angeles, and she's coined this term eco-communicator to describe her style of environmental activism. So she uses her platform for writing and creativity, but she also uses her platform to explore this often overlooked relationship between social justice and environmentalism. Now, we talked a lot about green beauty, clean beauty. She entered her environmentalist work through the lens of beauty, through the lens of finding more sustainable skincare, more natural skincare. And that started with her hair. We talk a lot about her hair and her beautiful micro locks, which was such a fun discussion. But she initially started thinking about how can I be more mindful about what I consume? And I think that's a really important topic that we touch on throughout this discussion and something that I'm constantly thinking of. She's also an author. She's written a book called The Intersectional Environmentalist, How to Dismantle Systems of Oppression to Protect People and the Planet. And she's been featured across the Time 100 Next. She's been featured on the Ebony Powerless. She's been featured in Vogue. She's really doing incredible work here. And I'm so happy that our paths have crossed and brought us together so I could have her on the podcast. I've known her work. I knew her blog and her Instagram account, Green Girl Leah, but I'm so excited that you all get to hear this in-depth discussion of where she's from and why she does the work that she does here on the podcast. I truly loved it. Let's get into my discussion with Leah. And also thank you again to everyone who takes the time to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. I really, really appreciate it. Let's get into the conversation. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts, not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hello, hello. It's Brooke DeVard and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. I am joined today by Leah Thomas, who is a climate optimist and environmental justice advocate and author and just all around incredible young person doing amazing things, educating other people, but also low-key, not so low-key, high-key, a beauty girl, the makeup, the skin, the hair. So I'm excited to just talk to you about your whole beauty journey, your life, the work that you do and why you do it. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited that we could do this in person. I've known your work for a long time. I've been following you and we just serendipitously, I mean, I went to this event. It was like literally my second day in LA. It was like, hello. Right off the plane. Right off the plane. (laughs) Pop down to tree people. And there you were speaking about how we can just be more conscious about the environment around us. And I tend to feel that a lot of spaces that speak about the environment are whitewashed. That's not a secret. So 
I'm always excited when I see a young Black woman in that space. And you're always just very eloquent and have a lot of tangible advice. So I was like, I need to really make this happen. We've got to do Naked Beauty now that we're both in LA. So I'm very excited to have you on. Yeah, thank you. And welcome to LA. I know it's a big change from New York, but I feel like you're going to really like it here. Yeah. And I love how you say that as if you've been here a long time. Didn't you just get here too? You know what? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to LA. I'm six months in. (laughs) Yeah. Before this, I was in Santa Barbara. So I was in like sleepy beach towns. Yeah. And then I went to college in Orange County. But yeah, this is like my LA chapter. I just got here in the summer. So yes, Mm -hmm. yes. But California, life on the West Coast. I get it. Yep. I understand it. The hiking that just the access to nature is a game changer. It really is. And like, I feel like people talk slower here mm-hmm. than they do in New York. And it's kind of like embracing this like slow lifestyle, yes. which I feel like really works really well for me. Yes. Slow living. And it's so funny. I saw a video on TikTok last night. I can't remember the creator. Otherwise I would credit her, but she said, I'm realizing that when you guys say soft life, you're talking about something different than what I'm talking about. Soft life has always been about finding peace. But now I'm seeing the girlies are turning it into an aesthetic. It's like this weird class thing where it's like, I live a soft life because I have luxury items and I don't have to work. And it's like, no, that wasn't what the soft life movement was about. Mm -mm. No, I get frustrated. But then I think LA, especially certain parts of it, it's so easy to get into that consumer driven soft life because like I'm always at Erwan and the food is really good, but I'm always there. But I want people to know you don't have to buy your way into sustainability or soft living. Mm-hmm. It can honestly be just like going for a walk around the block or like remembering to wash your face, even if you're washing it with just like water and whatever soap that you have. It doesn't have to be like super expensive green beauty. But also, I mean, there is nuance. Like if it's something that is accessible to you, I would encourage people to get things that are ethical and better for people and planet. But I want people to know you don't have to buy your way into it. Yes. You know, I always say self-care is free. There's nothing you have to buy to participate in Mm self-care. But I am always thinking about how can I make my approach to beauty and skincare more sustainable, more environmentally friendly. But I want to hear how you found your way into this work. I know you're near, you grew up near Ferguson. And, you know, of course, that was really where a lot of the BLM movement started. Yeah. And there's so much that links, you know, justice reform and the environment. So what was your kind of entry into the space. I love when people say origin stories too, because it feels like a Marvel comic. Yes. It's so cute. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I grew up in the Midwest, like a very typical Midwestern upbringing. So I grew up in Florissant, which is right by Hazelwood and Ferguson. Um, But just for people who aren't familiar, it's very Midwestern suburban out there. So it's like suburbs, but cornfields, like not too far away and maybe a farm. So a different suburban upbringing than maybe in LA. I didn't know I was nerdy until probably a year ago when someone was like, oh my God, you're such a nerd. I'm like, ah, and then all of a sudden things started coming together. But I was always outside, like playing with plants and animals, catching toads. I wanted to be a doctor. And then I realized like, I really like the earth. I don't know what it is about it. So first I studied biology when I went to college, changed it to environmental science and policy. At the same time, the Ferguson uprisings were beginning. So it was really hard for me in my environmental science classes to not think about what was going on back home. Mm -hmm. So I was always just searching for ways to infuse identity and culture and social justice into my environmental work that I was doing. And I'm kind of jumping over a lot of chapters, but 
I decided to be a park ranger intern the summer after Ferguson to just like heal and nature. And then at the same time, I kind of got into the green beauty space. There's an actress named Kimberly Elise mm-hmm. who's in the movie Dope, who when I was in school, her daughter Aja Blue had started a blog for her on natural living and natural hair. So I was one of their first bloggers that was just like writing posts about green beauty And then there's so many intersections with green beauty and environmental justice that we can totally touch on. But my first job after college was at an eco-friendly like soap company called Ecos. So I learned a lot about sustainable packaging and ingredients. And that's why I got really into, you know, green beauty. So when I started my blog um, around that time, after being a park ranger running around and writing and just doing a bunch of random stuff, my blog was about green beauty. I was like, it was so cool. I maybe had 500 followers. But those the, are the best yeah, times. It was so cool. Those are the best times. I actually missed the days when I had the time to like make my own hair mask, film the process of making it, share that, write about mm-hmm. it. You know, like I had so much more time to kind of DIY and a much smaller audience, but that doesn't mean that the effort is lower, you know? It was so fun. Yeah. Like I was doing everything. I was making acai bowls. I don't know if you remember like when that was really in, that was probably like 2016. I don't know. <laughs> so I was making acai bowls, talking about green beauty. And it's just been such a wild journey for green beauty for black women, especially like seeing hair care products, like yeah. new hair extensions that's made with bamboo and then but those standards are becoming you know more and more talked about so that's a little bit about my journey park ranger worked at patagonia for a little bit started a nonprofit, and i just love everything that has to do with the earth amazing and what do your parents do because i love this the fact that from a young age you loved being outside and that's what i want for my son what did your parents do that kind of helped to nurture this passion in you So my dad is a tennis coach and my mom is, she started out as an elementary school counselor and now she's like a mental health worker for the school district. And I think that really helped like having a mom that really, you know, talked about self-care and then having a coach for a dad. So very encouraging. Yeah, I grew up in a world where I didn't know that I was one of few Black women in science. Mm. And I wasn't until later when I started going to predominantly white schools that I realized like how much my mom prepared me Mm. by giving us like black doctor dolls or, you know, reading us stories of, you know, unfortunately he's taken a lot of pivots. Ben Carson sure has. But back in the day, like learning about his, was it the open heart surgery? surgery, So she put me in this world of representation where I always knew that I belonged in science spaces. And that was such a cool thing that she did that I want to do with my kids so they can walk into, you know, a science lab with confidence if that's where they are and say, I belong here because I can name three people off the top of my head, even if it's not in my textbooks. So I feel like my parents just let me do what I wanted to do. And it wasn't always something that was super expensive. Like if I was in the backyard digging up mud with shovels. I never got, I guess, gender roles reinforced. Mm -hmm. Like you shouldn't be outside doing this, that, and the other. So it was just the most normal thing ever because I feel like they weren't judgmental. Again, I didn't have the epiphany that I was nerdy until a year ago or so. (laughs) And I I really appreciate that because it made me feel confident in the things that I loved. And I knew that there were people who looked like me. So I always felt like I belonged. I also think that the most interesting people are quote unquote nerdy, right? I mean, it just means that you have deep interests that you're able to go deep on. Right. 
Before we talk about the green beauty space and greenwashing, right? Because those two go hand in hand. I'd love to hear as you were first kind of like getting into the natural beauty world, were there certain things that you made for yourself at home that made you kind of have these like epiphanies about ingredients? Because I have my things where I was like, oh my gosh, this versus what I could buy on the counter at CVS is just very different. So were there certain like ingredients that you figured out early on? Like, oh, wow, this is the source. I think it started with relaxers for me, Mm. which is like, you know, how to bait. But I went natural when I was in school. And I remember it was because I was between relaxers and then I saw my hair curl for the first time and was like, (laughs) is this what is supposed to be happening? Like I have, you know, really, really coily hair and I just thought it was so cool. And then I went down this whole rabbit hole of like natural hair care and I'm still learning to this day. But I think that's what started it. Like hair was an entry point into beauty. Yes. And then I don't know the ingredients specifically, but I was looking up a lot of research about how black women in particular are exposed to more toxins yes. in our hair care and beauty products that are marketed towards us. So in many ways, it felt like an environmental justice issue because mm-hmm. those toxins are going into our bodies. It's going into our waterways and ecosystems. And it's not talked about because we spend more money in the beauty industry and our products have more toxins. So it was kind of like a general thing, but um, I'm trying to think some of the first things I made. I was doing everything when I first went natural, like, like henna, rasul clay, yeah. <laughs> apple cider vinegar, all the things. Yeah. I don't know how my hair like did not just fall out of my head <laughs> from the <laughs> so, experimentation. Yeah, but I feel like it's a really important journey because it teaches you to study how your hair reacts to things and mm-hmm. also to read labels. Like that is oh, something yeah. that I'm such a huge advocate for. Like mm. read and know what is in the products that you're putting on your skin, in your hair, in your body. Mm-hmm. It's just so important. I remember, I think the first one I heard about, which I don't know, maybe you can educate me, but parabens was a big talk like back in 2010, 2015. All I heard about was parabens and I don't even really know what a paraben is. I'm like, is it bad? Is it good? Is it okay? You know what? Parabens is a really interesting one because if you talk to a dermatologist, right? So there are people that are love this and they're passionate about it, but they haven't necessarily gone to medical school. Mm -hmm. Most people will try to avoid parabens if they are like quote unquote clean. And I always use clean beauty in quotes. So as you guys are listening to this, clean beauty is always in quotes. But people that are passionate about clean beauty will say they want no parabens. As I've interviewed dermatologists, a lot of them will say that parabens in very small amounts are not harmful. They're not, you know, this like toxic thing that's going to take you down. I remember one of the dermatologists was like, it's so interesting to me because I have women that walk around New York City with smog and pollution and get Botox injected into their face. And then they want paraben free everything. You know, and it's like there is some like fear mongering that comes yeah. with this kind of clean beauty thing. Now, if you can choose to have skincare without parabens, great, as you should. Yeah. But I also think just like learning about sulfates and learning about some of the things that actually like strip your hair and make your hair less healthy mm. is good to know. Now you have, are these called micro locks? Yeah, these are micro locks. So there's Gorgeous. a hot debate. Oh, okay. Hot What's debate. the debate? Because I oh. love your hair is so beautiful. Like Thank for people you. that don't have the visual right now, <laughs> stunning. They're like shoulder Thank length, you. like a long bob situation. Is this like highlights? Is this your natural hair color? Yeah. So I have micro locks. Okay. And there's also sister locks, which arguably some could call these sister locks, but sister locks are trademarked. 
So these are micro locks. It's like a whole little. Okay, wait. So what's the difference between micro locks and sister locks? So no difference. Sister locks. There's a certain technique and there's a certain tool that you have to use. And back in the day, there were a small act of rebellion for black women in professional fields who wanted to have locks, but had a lot of hair discrimination. So they were trying Mm. to say, okay, I want to have this natural hairstyle. You know, locks are rooted in kind of sticking it to the man and like, you know, fighting white supremacy. So there are a lot of, um, back in the day, it wasn't accessible. And now they're becoming more accessible because it's such a long process. It took me eight days to get around 500 locks. And then some of the locks on the bottom, I'm not even going to lie, we put some extensions (laughs) in the bottom, which is also controversial, but I want people to know because it's kind of a part of the journey. So yeah, this is my natural hair color at the top. And then there's like highlights at the bottom. And then I did a braid out. Okay. So you did a braid out on the micro locks. So you were wearing your hair natural and it was just loose, like in an afro. Well, I always did braids. Okay. Same. Because I'm very much like a braid girl and I see the micro locks and the temptation, the temptation is, but it feels very permanent to me. And I like to change my hair a lot. If you like to change your hair, I always tell people because you have to be aware, like my edges... These are teeny tiny little locks. And every day I have this moment and my loctician, I'm sorry, I'm like, I might combine them because you can combine locks to make Mm. them bigger because the process is going to take about four hours, maybe every month. That's just like getting braids. Four hours every month. To tighten them. So every four to six weeks. So yeah, this is me grown out. And what you have to do is as it grows out, you just kind of, it's almost like a little tool where you loop it. So it gets tighter and tighter. Right now I'm at my, it's time, it's time (laughs) for this to get fixed. But I I mean, I love it because I was always wearing protective styles. So someone one day was like, why don't you just get locks? And there's so many. And I think I love these people who get locks always want them bigger or smaller. I think I'm going to keep them like this. But part of me wants to combine them because that would only be about two hours every four to Mm. six weeks but they're really fun. It's a journey, but you still have to care for your hair in ways that I didn't know. Like I've experienced thinning. If you know, you really got to protect your edges, the smaller these locks are, because it's like kind of micro braids in some ways, but yeah. When you say protecting your edges, does that mean like not putting your hair up as often? Yeah. I can't put my hair up as often as I want, especially because they're still in a new phase. They're kind of budding. So you'll see little buds at some of the bottom, some of these like this. This is like a natural, people probably can't see that, but a natural part of the locking process Mm -hmm. is like getting these little buds at the bottom and you just have to allow that to happen. And then if you cut it off, it's like it starts over. And then my edges, when I pull my hair up too much as these locks are trying to settle, it just kind of stretches my hair a little bit. So just like, you know, you might get traction alopecia from like braids. The same thing can happen the smaller your locks are. Got it. And do you find that your hair grows faster now that it's locked? Oh my God, yeah. Like this new growth is wild. So I'm really looking forward to, yeah, like at some point I'll probably cut it because it makes the process, I think when I get like here, maybe I'll cut it, but it grows so fast. And then you technically can comb out your locks. I wouldn't recommend it. Again, it took me eight days to get these installed. Usually it only takes two days, but it was just funny circumstances. Like I got sick. My loctician got like a spider bite. It was a weird time uh, in the universe. An eight day journey. It was an eight day journey. So these will be in my head for life, I think. <laughs> I'm done after this. Well, they look beautiful. And for you, does it have that same kind of 
you know, the history of like resistance that locks have, is that something that also attracted you to the style or is it purely aesthetic? Because I also love the conversation around not everyone who has natural hair is making some sort of grand political statement. Yes, say that again so many times. <laughs> I mean, for me, I think it's cool. And I've been learning about the history of like Rastafarianism mm-hmm. and how it can be an act of rebellion. But returning to what's natural, I don't know, it doesn't have to be rebellious all the time. It could be an act of self-love or just because of aesthetics. And I was getting these teeny tiny Zoe Kravitz inspired braids all the time. And I just realized like, I don't want to do this. I just, I could lock my hair and basically have micro braids that are micro locks. So it was part aesthetic and then part just wanting to go on a new journey with my hair that felt a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. But I learned it's not necessarily easier. Um, <laughs> there are no so. shortcuts when it comes to black women in hair. No. You can shave your head. You've got to get it buzzed. Every, you know, yeah. every, like there's truly no shortcut, Mm-mm. period. No. Skincare, green washing, green skincare. Mm-hmm. I find that there's a lot of confusion in the marketplace. There's a lot of consumer confusion about what is an eco-conscious way to shop for skincare, mm-hmm. body care. How do you approach as a consumer looking for the types of products that you want to use? So this is something that you'll be familiar with, but I also want to preface for people, a lot of green beauty people, sustainability bloggers, like we are gifted so much to try. Yes. So I feel like my ability to try so many products is largely because it's been like given to me. Yes. And then I, after testing it out, that's basically how it's always worked for me. I'll find a product and go, oh, I really like this. Unless it's Fenty, like obviously (laughs) buying Rihanna products. (laughs) So that's how my journey started, just testing out a lot of stuff that way. But something that's, I'm curious your thoughts on, because green beauty is becoming, I feel like popular demand, it's hard to tell. Back in the day, there's bare minerals and bare minerals, you know, still cool. I'm wearing like their blush right now. It's one of my favorites. It's an OG, but now there's just so many. Yes, And then it's really hard when you even look at claims, like the ways that green is regulated mm-hmm. or certain terminology, eco-friendly, green, et cetera, regenerative is a new one that's coming out. They don't necessarily have the strictest of enforcement. Yeah, I feel like Europe is a little bit better and more mm-hmm. ahead when it comes to enforcing things, but it's so confusing as a consumer because it seems like every new brand is a green beauty brand. So I don't know. I kind of just stick to the the same stuff. <laughs> the, the brands that you trust. And I'm, I'm excited to hear the products that you love. Could you help break down? So there's vegan, which means no animal products, mm-hmm. cruelty-free, which means not tested on animals. Yes. I personally shop cruelty-free, but I don't mind... Products don't have to be vegan. And I'll explain okay. why. Because I, I will sometimes use like lip balms that have beeswax in them. Oh, yeah. Is that okay? Am I doing injustice to the environment by buying non-vegan lip balms? Shout out to PETA. This was so funny. Side note, I went to like a Celine fashion show. I don't normally go to fashion oh, shows, but very they had chic. a show here. And I was trying to be low key and there were like animal rights protesters outside. And I was like, I stand with you all. <laughs> Just have to you're go. Like, you're like going in with like your Celine outfit, like with your head down, like, oh my gosh. Hey, I'm on your side, but I'm here, but I'm on your side. I was like, I'm rocking with y'all, but I got to go inside. Uh- <laughs> And fight the good fight from front row. (laughs) You know, you've got to infiltrate the system. 
Because <laughs> I never go to fashion shows, but it was so funny because Celine had a show here. At the, and you should be at the fashion show, it you know? Cute. And as you raise your profile and expand your voice, that's how we're going to make change. So See, I, you got to be there. That. Yes, nice. you have to be there. Um, but this is going back to... Okay, so me personally, I have a lot of friends who are beekeepers. Okay. So I do use bee products and my diet changes. I'm a flexitarian. Sometimes that has been vegan, pescatarian, everything. I'm not vegan right now. I will say that. So I'm okay with it. Mm -hmm. But it's a hot debate in the vegan community. Like some people believe that bees are being exploited by using honey, but some people also believe domesticated animals shouldn't be in your home. So there's different extremes, but I understand why beeswax technically is not vegan if some vegans believe any animal byproducts or there's a difference between like byproduct and something else, but I forget the word. Yes. Now, when you um, say bees are being exploited or when your beekeeper friends say bees are being exploited, I thought bees just kind of naturally make honey and wax. They do, but... But are they like urged to make more? Yeah, I know. <laughs> work, work harder, work faster. It's a hot debate because I mean, people going out of their way to find wild honey, I'm curious if that would be more okay or more ethical. Interesting. But technically you have to make like the enclosure for mm-hmm. the bees to, but I personally am okay with it, but I know people have their own standards. I like honey. I think it's really important to save the bees. And yes. a part of saving the bees is also like having more beekeepers who can like safely look after them and, yes. you know, expand the bee population. But I know a lot of people who just don't do honey. So it makes okay. sense why it's not technically vegan, but yes. I'm okay with beeswax. Okay. And how do you approach sustainability in packaging? Because mm-hmm. that's, I feel like a really big one. I've been trying to transition to more bar soaps oh, cool. versus body wash, like, you know, because mm-hmm. it's a plastic container and then they also have to just add a lot of water to it. So like when you get yeah. the soap, you're getting like the pure... It's like yeah, ready to go. Ready to go. Yeah, this is interesting. I'm seeing a lot of waterless products yes. lately. Yes. Whether it's toothpaste mm-hmm. and I think it's entering like the beauty space a yes. little bit more. I think it's pretty cool. Bite um, toothpaste is yeah. a, a really cool waterless alternative to regular toothpaste. And Everlast makes a waterless body wash. It's just like a concentrate and you just activate it with water in your shower. Oh, I need to try that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. There's just so much cool innovation. I like going to refill shops too. Okay. But I'll be honest, refill shops can be so expensive. They can be. Like, I remember I filled up just a thing of body wash and it was maybe around $50 or so. So I don't know, like there's a lot of bar soaps that are really accessible as well. Even if it's like Shea Moisture, I know they like changed. Well, yeah. And that caused some some controversy. But Shea Moisture, I have tried their bar soaps and they're good. Are there any other bar soaps that you like? Hmm. I mean, OG would be Lush. Lush, Lush yes. has always been a really good brand. So like when you look at the OGs, like mm-hmm. Bare Minerals, et cetera, like Lush has just had integrity for a really long time, in my opinion, unless you know some stuff. But no, 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 um, I don't know anything. And I think <laughs> Lush does a wonderful job. And also, I think that role of consumer education where you can go into Lush and they'll tell you like, this is rose and this is goat's yeah. milk and this is honey. Like I like brands that invest in educating their customers as well. Yeah. You know, same. And they've just been so good. So I think if you don't know where to start, start with the OGs. Um, and Lush is also like at most malls. But yeah, those are some of my favorites yeah. right now. What are your other favorite beauty skincare brands? So the only thing I use on my skin is Osea, Osea. Yes, Osea, Osea. which stands for ocean, sea, and earth. Ooh. Yes. So I use them exclusively. I love. Okay. So let's get into 
which products you use because mm-hmm. I recently started using their hyaluronic serum. That's like I that green. Mm-hmm. It's like so thick and like... It does feel a little funny, but it's good. Yeah, but it's good. And their body oil, of course. And it, it started trending on TikTok, oh, the body yeah. oil. And it's my favorite, like top secret, the smell. The smell. It's amazing. So the I use smell. the body oil. I use their... There's like a green ocean green face cleaner yeah the yeah. face cleaner and then the face lotion it's like a three-step okay so there's the face cleaner the lotion and then the serum yeah and then i use their body oil so those are my favorites and then every now and again i will use like shea moisture again i think it's just something that's deeply ingrained in mm-hmm. me because i remember them being like one of the first yes you know mainstream natural hair products so i do use their soap yeah um, a lot but yeah it's mostly what i use for yeah. like skincare I think Osea is a fabulous brand and a lot of their skincare, they age the oils in a like cask, like in a product that has algae and like sea minerals in it. Yeah. Right. So you're like getting like the goodness from the sea. And it's so mm-hmm. interesting because whenever I like go into like the ocean, like the water, my skin just feels better. There is oh, something yeah. about just mother nature, good old mother nature. <laughs> That you can feel the difference just yeah. like on your skin on a like a physiological salt. level. A little bit of algae. Like it's yeah. it's so good for you. And like I like Osea again because they're an OG and they're like, yeah, algae is good for your skin. Yes. Um, and for a lot of people it is. So like, yeah, it just feels like mother nature's healing. I need to look at their ingredients again, but I don't think it's like jam-packed with anything too unnecessary. Oh, no, no, no. The ingredient list is fabulous. And they do use some essential oil, like, you know, flower extracts and stuff. A lot of people, as I've learned, as I've done this podcast now for a while, five, six years, wow. As I talk to people, a lot of people are fragrance-free. They don't like things with fragrance and it's never been an issue for me. So I'm like, bring on the things that smell nice. Um, so, yeah. But if that's an issue for you, I would I would avoid. What do you use for hair care? So with locks, you're really only supposed to use shampoo and water. And then I also use apple cider vinegar or just vinegar. So I forget the brand. It's like a lock specific brand Mm -hmm. or I use a Shea Moisture shampoo. Okay, nice. Have you tried shampoo bars yet? No, I feel like it would just get like caught. Okay, I was like, this is not for me as a black woman, but (laughs) Azalea Banks, rapper, pop star, controversial figure. I know it's like, but she knows a lot about like we, like she and I will like DM, like she knows a lot about skincare and pro- she makes Do you have an episode together? Because I would watch that immediately. Okay. We have talked about it so many times. Expeditiously. Me, me and me and Miss Banks have talked about it so many times. She's hard to nail down. She's hard to nail down. She's got hot takes though. She's got hot takes. She'll send me like 20 voice notes in a row and I like listen to all of them. And I'm like, I feel like I have like a private podcast. I'm honored for these voice notes. Um, <laughs> But yeah, she makes a soap bar from her line. I think it's called Cheapy XO. I didn't even know she had a line. That's yes, so cool. I know. I'm like, you need to come on the podcast so we can promote the products. But yeah, she has a soap bar that's I used and it really worked for my hair. And I was like, okay, maybe I should get into soap bars as well. There's just, mm-hmm. I love the focus that everyone's having towards sustainability and being more efficient Yeah, and just less packaging. Even mm-hmm. we were talking about you know, you brought it up. We get sent a lot of things. Yeah. It turns me off so much when brands just send me just unnecessary, just like crap. Sorry to say, Mm -hmm. just like, you know, a cute sweatshirt. That's nice. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when brands send you their new sunscreen in like a mini beach diorama with little umbrellas and sand. (laughs) Like I didn't need this. And it's just going in the trash. And now I feel wasteful, even though it wasn't a decision I made to do this. Now I feel like a bad person. Mm -hmm. So I just, we don't need all of that. 
No. And I've been thinking like they're going to send it out. To, I like when brands send me makeup because I've been doing little giveaways yes, to I've my community and it's like just so fun. But yeah, like I got a Christmas ornament from a brand. It was a sparkling water brand that I adore. Um, but it was like, I love you, but I, I don't I, What am I going to do with this? So things like that, I do feel really wasteful and yeah. I hope brands take that into consideration. Like, yeah, send the product. And I know people, you know, will put it to good use. I know a lot of, you know, I usually give it to my mom. She gives yes. it to people, et cetera. And I know if they don't send it to me, they're going to send it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So I do take it and try to distribute it when I can. But yeah, the other merch and unnecessary packaging, it's just, it's time to stop. We don't need it. Something that you've talked about very passionately is fast fashion. Yes. And I have for a long time now opted out of fast fashion for years now, only because I've had the experience of moving several times. And when you look at the things that you're donating and giving away and the stuff that takes up space in your closet, it is for me, at least it was always the H&Ms and the Zara's. But you recently did a podcast where the topic of Sheen came up. Oh, sounds like a cult. That was sounds like a cult. <laughs> so I learned from that conversation that the value of Shein is more than Zara and H&M combined. It's an $100 billion company with profits that are, I think the only two like more profitable companies are like SpaceX and ByteDance that owns TikTok. Wild. Right. So this is like, and I feel like Shein came out of nowhere. Like yeah. it just popped up. The thing that I'm conscious about, and I'm, I'm so curious to hear, Leah, how you balance this because I do think it's so important. How do you have the conversation about fast fashion without shaming people? Yeah, this is a hard one, especially because like fashion, it's not my main area. I mean, I went thrifting when I was growing up and maybe I'm starting to get into fashion now. Shout out to my stylist. <laughs> um, so he's trying to put me on and elevate the looks. But for me, I honestly go to the same places. I'm really simple. Like if something works for me, I just go to Reformation. I was in like a sleepy beach town. So I'm trying now that I'm in LA, but it's really hard because a lot of fast fashion conversations are so based in shame. Yes. And I think we need to a hundred percent shame the industries and Mm -hmm. corporations that could easily make changes. And I think that shame has led to a lot of people trying to infiltrate from within. So even some might call it greenwashing when H&M has a conscious collection. But if someone is like, H&M is where I can shop, this is the price point right now, then I will point them to the conscious collection if that's their entry point. Mm-hmm. When I was in school, H&M's conscious collection and thrifting, that was my entry point into the world mm-hmm. of, oh my God. And then, you know, it just was kind of like a ripple effect. So I feel like it's really important to shame the corporations, not necessarily the individuals, yes. educate people as much as possible. But a lot of people, I think people forget even online educators, people are just trying to live. Yes. They're just trying to survive. <laughs> they're not going into the store and buying something because they're, you know, making a stance or they support right. the extractive and exploitative nature of these industries. They just they're want just, a cute outfit for their, the dinner they've got later that night. And they yeah. want to keep up with the trends. And yeah. it's like, it feels bad if keeping up with the trends is a little moment of joy for a girl in the Midwest, which I am. And then someone comes in and is like, well, you're not doing it right. So there's got to be a happy medium of educating consumers about thrifting and things like that. But then also really shaming the corporations because I think we have the power to get them to stop. And it's not necessarily down to just the individuals. Absolutely. It's hard. It's nuanced. But I just find so many people shame 
individuals who are the least responsible for the climate crisis are working multiple jobs just to make a living. And how am I supposed to, it's hard like to be like, oh, don't eat meat. Don't do this. Only buy $300 sweatshirts, which again, we're getting sent. So a lot of sustainability bloggers, it's like, remember that we're getting sent all this stuff. Oh yeah. That's a major one. Yeah. (laughs) That's a major one. I mean, there are so many. I was on a call with a bunch of beauty editors for a new cleanser. I can just say it's, I love April from Bittner's Daughter. When people, when beauty editors get sent products, they often don't know the price. And I, mm. right? When you get sent Aww. a product, do you know how much it costs? No. no yeah, right? I don't even think about so it. So you just recommend it. Mm-hmm. Just try this moisturizer. Love it. $100. And then like, <laughs> with gold, you know, it's $200. But I asked on that call, I said, can you talk us, you know, I said, you know, this is $96. Can you talk us through this cost? Because it's high. And I remember her reaction. She was like, no one's asked that yet. And I'm like, how many no of these one? calls have you done? But I think that it's mm-hmm. like, again, you have to remember that a lot of times the people that are recommending you things, not only are they being gifted it, but they're also unaware of the price, right? Because mm-hmm. when you get sent things, the price is not included. Wow. Yeah. You know? And so that's like that whole other thing to factor in. Just going back to putting the shame on the corporations. I have always said, and maybe this is just my naivete, just being from outside of this industry and world, can't they regulate how many SKUs a brand makes? Meaning like when I go into Zara, the fact that it's an entirely different store every week with like (laughs) 6,000 new styles, it's like, Mm -hmm. can't they like tell them like you can only make this many styles a year or like a month? That would be amazing. That would be such an incredible piece of legislation, but I know people would fight it Mm. because yeah, we're in this really interesting world. Like back in the day, even 50 years ago, which isn't that long, there's normal seasons. So you could go into a store and shop the season and then the next season, something else rolls out. And then those seasons just got shorter and shorter and shorter when it came to H&M and Forever 21. And that at the time was revolutionary. Like, I can't believe we can get something made within like a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And then now with Sheen, Sheen, whatever it is, (laughs) it's not even they're beating out H&M and Forever 21 because it's not just a couple of weeks. It's a couple of days. They're going to get it up on the website if they see a celebrity wearing it and try to make it as fast as possible. And you can't do that without exploiting people and the planet. It's just not possible. They're not paying people living wages. So there could be global legislation and then even national legislation. The United States could not buy from retailers who are making a certain amount of SKUs. I think that would be such a powerful piece of legislation, but will it happen, especially with Sheen making more money than Tesla or around that? I don't know, but that would be so cool. It's a great idea. I know. I feel like you have been a model for me in terms of slow living because I saw your away message, your email away message, which... (laughs) Or was it my assistant? Was it Paradise? Uh, the away message is, let me, let me read it so that I, I get the language right because like, do I need to turn it off. Is it no, no, on? it's not still on. <laughs> I got, you know, we've been, we've been trying to schedule this for a while. Yeah. But I do want to hear about being conscious about slowing down because mm. you are, you know, you're 28. You have so much opportunity in front of you. I'm sure you've got, you know, brands and people and publications. And by the way, I loved your story in Vogue about, was it all, all my favorite? Yeah, all environmentalists my, are black, black women. women. Yeah. I loved that story. Thank you. Um, so, you know, a lot of people don't have like Vogue, like knocking at their door. You've got a lot of opportunity and a lot of people coming at you, but I would imagine that you have to be very intentional about yeah. how much you let in. So I would love to hear about how you've been intentional about that. Yeah. I feel like when my career kind of started taking off about two going on three years ago, which is was very 
you know, different conversation for a different day that I'd love to reflect on with other Black creators. I kind of had a smaller platform that I was really proud of, again, talking about green beauty and sustainable fashion Mm -hmm. and hiking and stuff like that. And then it blew up when I started talking about racism, intersectional theory, et cetera, because it was the summer of 2020. Mm. And I decided to leave a job offer to go back to Patagonia, which was the company that I knew and loved. And I could just go out on my own and try to start an organization and build something with no income. So I basically decided to have a yes year. I think, I don't know if that was Shonda Rhimes or Oprah. I think it was Shonda Rhimes. Shout out to Shonda. So I had a yes year where I said yes to every podcast, every interview, every wow partnership. I used social media partnerships to fund the salaries of our organization when we were building wow. and was just trying to say yes to everything. And I'm proud of myself, but I also burnt out so quickly and started realizing like, this is not the way that I need to live my life. But I understand why I did because I was taking a chance on something. And through that yes year, I wrote a book, was building an org, was in like commercial. So I had no like North Star. Mm -hmm. So again, glad I said yes to everything. But then I kind of lost myself along the Mm -hmm. way and started thinking like, who am I? What am I doing this for? And that's how I had my journey to climate optimism and arts and doing other things that just feel really good to myself this year. But I also feel very privileged to be able to not say yes to everything Mm -hmm. now. So I understand that is a privilege that kind of comes with doing this work for a little bit. But I try to ask myself a set of questions like, does this align with my values? Does this align with the future that I want to create? Do I need to take up space here? Like there's so Mm. many other people I can refer people to. So instead of me flying across the coast all the time, Mm. I'm referring other friends of mine who I know do just as amazing work, if not better, and just trying to build community. I'm trying to support projects a lot more now, which is like a fun thing to do, like dabbling in investing. And even if it's investing of knowledge Mm -hmm. and not necessarily resources, finding ways I can support other projects because I feel like the last two years have just been more than fruitful for me. So I'm trying to balance fun projects with the things that I need to do to also, you know, like get paid and survive in Los Angeles. So yes, yeah, like I made a poetry zine just for funsies. Oh, I love that. I'm like, shout out to my publisher. I will work on book number two, but in the meantime, like doing fun projects along Mm -hmm. the way keeping yourself creatively fueled. I love that. I can't find the away message, but it was something about that you're not bound by the confines of like white supremacy. Oh yeah, that was my assistant paradise. Okay. (laughs) Shout out to paradise. Shout out to paradise because I've never seen an away message like that. How old is paradise? Paradise is maybe like 20... One. Okay. It was giving Gen Z. I was just, and she, is she a black woman? Yep. Shout out to the black Gen Z girlies. Right. Because this away message was like, thank you for your message. Like, I am not bound by the constraints of like white supremacy and like, I will get to this when I get to it, but respectful. It was said in a respectful way. And I was like, that is so cool because we just live in this culture of like, you have to respond. You have to respond. I love the work that's being done on the NAP ministry. Oh, yeah. Just about reading the book. Yes, that Black women, we actually owe it to ourselves to take time Mm. to rest and to be easy on ourselves. And I love, we were talking about going outside. I just truly, truly love nothing more than being able to like go on a walk. Like that is just the ultimate luxury. It really is. And it's like a beautiful way to connect with nature that is an outdoor experience. You don't have to summit a mountain, like going for a walk. It just makes me feel so much better. And yeah, I completely agree. Yes. Bare Minerals, you said you like. Are there any other makeup brands that you go to? 
Okay, I'm going to mispronounce them, but that's why we have the expert here. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> okay. Ilya. Ilya. Love Ilya. What do you like from Ilya? They have like a little dropper foundation okay. of sorts, like a tinted moisturizer. Yes. Do you not find it too oily? It's pretty oily. Yeah, I find it too oily. oily. And I love the brand. Shout out oh. to them if they're listening. Love the brand, but I find that a little too oily. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But-, but they have, so there's two. And one okay. is like a sunscreen oh, okay. one that I really like that might not be as oily. So okay. if I find it, I'll send it to you. Yes. And then I really like Say Beauty. I, I just started Say. getting into Say. So I'm not wearing foundation. I'm going on a foundationless journey. I mean, your but... skin is gorgeous. What do you need foundation for? <laughs> thank you. But your skin is like glowing. Oh, so I'm thank like, you. What are you wearing? Also not wearing foundation though. I honestly, so... I feel like concealer is really all you need. Yeah. I'm just doing concealer. And then I use the Say Beauty. They have like a translucent like powder setting or something, powder? a setting okay. powder, just because I get like so oily. I haven't tried their powder, but it's is it good? Great. Yeah, I like yeah. it. I want to I know what you think, but yeah, I like I know. it. Say is great. The founder, Lainey, is also very aware of just like larger issues. Like yeah. they did a lot of fundraising for abortion funds following like the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And I think she used to work at Estee Lauder Lancome, one of the biggies, you know, mm-hmm. and then was like, this can be done better and more thoughtfully and started yeah. Say. And I, they have a blush, a liquid cheek blush that is I've just so it. gorgeous. I've been a blush girly. Like I've been going all out with blush. Yes. It's on my nose. It's on my cheeks. It just, it just wakes you up. Like it gives you like a little sun kiss. It really does. Look, are there any like special like treatments or facials that you like to do? My sister got me an Osea facial okay. for my birthday. So I need to do it. So I haven't done it, <laughs> done it yet, okay. but I mean, not really. I need to get into it. I, you know, extractions. Oh, not, you do extractions? I'm not gonna lie. I've just like seen it on TikTok. And oh, like, I would I'm supposed to have. I would know. I <laughs> let me step in here, a, a big sister energy, and say I would not recommend doing that okay. at home. I still have like a mark on my nose here from like I had like a small white head that I really should have just left alone, mm-hmm. but I started messing with it and I still have this mark. Mm. So. And I wear a lot of sunscreen and I won't do that. And a lot of black women, they have the condition that I have. I call them Morgan Freeman moles. <laughs> um, they look like freckles, but they're called, it's like dermatosis something, something nigra. And it's something like over 50% of African-Americans have them. Mm. And mine were triggered by living. I was a park ranger in Kansas for a summer for three months. I only had one and now I have over like 50 freckle moles on my face. I love them. Freckles are in, but I would just remind black women to protect their skin when they can. So I do try to wear some sort of sunscreen. Yeah. What sunscreen do you like? I'm not going to lie. It's super goop. I love super goop. Okay, cool. (laughs) I love super goop sunscreen. (laughs) It's so cute. Um, And I feel like you can find a formula for every, you know, if you have dry skin, you can go with the moisturizer. If you have oily skin, you can go with the invisible sheer one, the unseen sunscreen. Your video was so good. I don't know if it was a year ago when that came out, but it was you trying sunscreens. Oh, all the different mineral sunscreens. Yeah. And then I just, I felt so seen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Like just like the pure Casper the Ghost, like wet cast that (laughs) all of these like universal shears give you. It's just Mm -hmm. disrespectful. And it just shows that they don't have black people in mind as they're formulating. And when you call something a universal sheer or invisible, and it's like disrespectful. Yeah. (laughs) Disrespectful. (laughs) How do you take care of yourself? Like, what do you do for your own self-care? I spend a lot of time alone now. And I, I wanted to get really okay with being alone, I think. So I spend, you know, 
I'll look at the sky. <laughs> like I spend a lot of time alone. I try to go to sleep as early as I can. Like, How early? Sometimes it's like eight or nine. Oh, my dream. Yeah. <laughs> my dream. I just, I don't know. My listeners know this has been a, a long journey for me, but I just like want to be an early to bed, early to rise person. And I'm not at all. Yeah, I don't even early rise. Like maybe like eight. That's amazing. Seven o'clock or I, I slowly go to sleep when I can because I know it's either like I'm traveling mm-hmm. or I'm really busy on something. So when I get those moments to go to bed early, it's just like so great. It's like a treat um, to yourself. Like I'm so going to go to bed nice. early. Yeah. So do you put your phones away? How do you do it? I mean, I put my phone on sleep mode okay. a lot. Like there's certain people who can bypass it, but my phone's on sleep mode. I just started reading before bed. So in bed, actually, like I'll read and I'll tire me out. So I started doing that. And then just separately, I've been doing reformer Pilates because of Lori Harvey <laughs> since last summer. And I mean, I don't do anything else. Like wow. I do it three times a week. Three Mental clarity. Week. It's just, I feel good doing Pilates. Like that's the thing. That's okay. You're going to have to bring me with you one of these times. Pilates is very hard. It's hard, but it's like once you get into it, yes. like just give it like two or three weeks. Yeah. And then you just feel like a rock star. I do love Pilates. And then like men come into the class and they get like exhausted. And they can't do anything. Coming and yeah, they can't do like... anything. <laughs> they really can't. <laughs> In terms of superfood supplement things, like, you know, I, we hear about like ashwagandha. And oh, yeah. There's a lot on the market. A lot of stuff. Um, you know, collagen that you can drink and retinol that you can take in pill form. Do you supplement your diet with like any vitamins, minerals, superfoods? So I live right down the street. Well, no, I don't. But I live close to Moon Juice. Okay. So I just go there religiously. Um, and they've got good stuff and their stuff. So I have like a, a wake up thing, which is like, I think B12 maybe. And then they have like a magnesium for night. Okay. And magnesium makes you so sleepy. It's great. Yeah. Like it's amazing. It really works though. It just knocks me out. Yeah. Um, so I, I go to Moon Juice all the time and they just have really cute little drinks that okay. I really enjoy and they've got good stuff in it. I usually get the silver strawberry which has silver something, which is oh. apparently some sort of... Is it colloidal yeah. silver? Yes. Yes, which is very good for you. So apparently I'm drinking that like every day. Okay. And maybe it's doing this. Yeah. And you're getting your Erewhon smoothies, paying $20 for a smoothie. No, it's so bad. And it's I go outrageous. to their hot bar all the time. I do love their hot But so, so hot bar, because it's like, okay, if you go out to dinner with friends, you're going to spend like $40, right? Right. So when I get their hot bar and I only spend 30, mm-hmm. I'm like, this was a steal for dinner. But the $20 smoothies just sends me oh. over the edge and down the cliff. It just makes me feel so weird. I get their bone broth too. And it's like way too expensive, but it's down the street. I live in Silver Lake. So it's just so easy. Yeah. One day. I was talking about the price and someone said like, have an abundance mindset. Like you deserve like, and it's like, fine. You spent a lot of money on cocktail. You know, you spent, you justify spending money on different things. Why not health? Right. Because you can get like a $30 cocktail or you can get a $20 liquid sunshine from one exactly. and one's healthier. Exactly. So, <laughs> Final question for you. When do you feel your most beautiful? Aw, um, I feel my most beautiful, I don't know, when the sun is out. Hmm. Probably, I think it rained in California for like two weeks yes. consecutively. And I had never thought I had seasonal depression, but I've been living in California for 10 years and I'm just used to the sunshine. And I realize like it just makes me feel happier, more beautiful. So I think right in the morning when I open, you know, the blinds and then I put a bunch of blush on my face and nothing else, like that's when I feel the most beautiful. And my hair is kind of frizzy. And like when my locks aren't perfectly tightened or whatever, I think that's when I feel my most beautiful. 
I love it. Well, thank you so much, Leah, for coming on. We could have talked for like a whole other hour, but that just means that you'll have to come back on Naked Beauty and, and educate us some more. But thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts, not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. All right. So that was my conversation with Leah. I learned so much from her and I do really feel inspired to be more mindful about my consumption, but also to take time out for myself to slow down, to really live in that kind of like slow, intentional living, like what the soft life movement was meant to be about. She really embodies, which is also reminding me I need to schedule a hike. I need to schedule that time to go outside. It's so important to get that into my routine. Thank you all so, so much for listening. If you're not following on Instagram, Naked Beauty Planet, that's where you'll see fun clips of the show. And I may do video. I have video. We were able to do this in person at the studio, which was great. I'm excited about extending into video. But in the meantime, check out the clips on Naked Beauty Planet. Thank you all so much for listening and for all of your support. And I'll be back next week with another great episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.